HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Did you know that you can stream The French Chef with Julia Child on the PBS Documentaries Prime Video channel? See where America's obsession with cooking shows began and start your free trial today. Welcome to Inside Julia's Kitchen, the podcast, the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. I'm your host, Todd Shulkin, the Foundation's Executive Director. Our show takes you inside the Foundation's world to meet the talented people we have the great fortune of learning from all the time. On today's show, we welcome food stylist Christine Tobin. In this episode, we'll talk to Christine about food for film and television, how she makes HBO Max's Julia look so delicious, and we'll hear Christine's Julia moment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. As always, we launch the conversation with an inspiration from Julia. If you've watched the first season of HBO Max's delightful Julia scripted series, you know it's truly captured the joy of Julia. Sarah Lancashire's Julia is as charming, quick-witted, dexterous, and determined, as well as kind and supportive, as Julia was in real life. The series shows us how Julia was a whiz in the kitchen and a natural on camera, but includes the realistic ups and downs becoming a TV star at 50 entailed. The series not only captures the transformation of Julia Child into Julia, I can't do that at all. It also captures the complexity of teaching cooking on television, something Julia and her team pioneered. It's not just a show about a cook, it's a show about a show about cooking. Julia would have loved this intertwining. Something else Julia would have loved is the serendipity of today's guest role on the show. Christine Tobin, a veteran food stylist for film and television, is responsible for all the food in the Julia series. And as I see it, Julia's efforts to make working in food a legit profession set the stage for food styling to be considered a legitimate career. So there's a big full circle loop from Julia's influence to Christine's work intersecting with the inner workings of a TV series about Julia. Christine, who's also based in Julia's adopted hometown of Boston, specializes in food styling for food and television productions. This job includes responsibility for everything from sourcing and overseeing cooking all the food on screen to the complex logistics required for food to be filmed as well. And it also involves making it look great on camera. She's currently in France filming season two of HBO Max's Julia after being instrumental in the success of season one. With more than 15 years of experience and a fine arts degree from Tufts University, Christine has been the food stylist on more than 20 movies and TV series, including Little Women, American Hustle, Black Mass, 
Labor Day, and Olive Kittredge. She started her food styling career working as an assistant to James Beard Award-winning chef Anna Sortum on her cookbook, Spice. And Christine is also the food stylist for Christopher Kimball's Milk Street. She joins us today to take us behind the scenes of how they make HBO Max's Julia look so delicious and into the world of film and television food styling. Welcome to the podcast, Christine. Wow, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Well, we're great you could join us remotely as well, so we really appreciate that. And and it's 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 just always a delight to talk about this show. But before we talk about Julia, the show, I, I thought it was just helpful to find out, you know, how you ended up. I, I think while I was saying food styling is become you know a career and a known like job, if you will, it's still a relatively new and re- not maybe that well known one. So how did you end up becoming a food stylist? Um. <clears throat> Well, you're right about this, firstly, that there's so many people that still ask many questions about what is food styling and the show and my part in it has definitely brought in the conversation um, and inspired people to want to get into this niche profession um, in food photography. So it's been really exciting on that front. Um, As far as my start in it, um, I, I always worked in restaurants. I have probably close to 30 years of restaurant experience, and it was to pay my way through art school at the School of Museum of Fine Arts, uh, affiliated with Tufts University. So one of my last jaunts for over six years was with Anna at Oleana in Cambridge, and it was there that um, she was sitting at a table and said, I need to find a f- someone who does food styling, and um, a colleague of mine said, well, that's something that Christine wants to get into, um, and so that's how I started on, you know, the, the floor of that world of food on camera. Um, although my background was in, you know, printmaking to, uh, sculpture to performance art. So I had in art school, a wide variety of, of sort of mixed media training, just based on how the school was designed in education. Um, and it's with food styling that all of those all that I learned in my education that lasted forever um, because I loved <laughs> it so much, but it all made sense. And it was really on the stage here on Julia that I had these like really intense moments of like, this is like everything. And I'm so lucky and blessed to have had to be able to say that, um, especially as an artist, because typically we, we leave our, our nests and try to make our way as a visual artist, but um, to have the the um, the ability to and opportunity to bring these two passions in creativity, food and art together in this medium is um, something that I mean I, I I cherish it and I and I put it all in into the work that I do. So it was with Anna, and then I went to editorial work. Um, some advertising, a lot of assisting um, for various um, food stylists in New York. And then comes Labor Day, the phone call to do my first film job. And that was based um, from a referral of food styles I've assisted for. And that's where I met Susan Spungen. So she actually gave that one job and that prop master, Chris Ubik, um, and Susan Spungen gave me that first opportunity to do film, uh, food on film. And I learned a lot from Susan and she is still, uh, I mean, she's the godmother of this craft and, um, I owe a great deal of gratitude towards her and, and her, um, mentorship and friendship, um, because she's definitely shined a big light on the power of food and in, in storytelling for, for film, film work. So, so, and then I've been working on films since Labor Day in the New England um, local. Well, and I was going to say a shout out to Susan, who we've had on the show, because she uh, famously did the the food styling on Julia and Julia for Nora Ephron, and then recently on the um, uh, Betsy West and Julie Cohen's documentary, mm-hmm. Julia. So, yeah, there's a lot of intersections. I have so many questions for you because I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, if I think about Susan's background or other food stylists I know, 
it's usually more of a food like culinary training or on-the-job culinary cooking background, and then it's the person who just has a wonderful eye. Whereas it sounds like you're kind of the opposite. You have a much deeper training in the arts. And did you actually just sort of learn your cooking on the job while you were assisting? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a, in a family of, of cooks. My mother and my and my nana lived with us, her mother from Sicily. So we, we were big, and my father from Ireland, his family, we were a big food family. So food was just, I always follow my stomach and since birth. <laughs> and I think, um, I think it was in these restaurants that I've worked with in, in, in Boston and, and most, and I, and I highlight Oleana the most because of how they, um, you know, you have in restaurants, the back of the house, front of the house, and there's sometimes a big divide and, um, of, of responsibilities and all that. But it was at her restaurant that the, it was a one large family centric vibe and teaching moments and sharing. And it was there that I, you know, would sit, there's an open window where the kitchen meets the dining room, a part of the dining room. So, you know, you're sitting there asking questions and you're watching them prepare the foods and then, you know, they just reach up and you're tasting the food. So definitely was, um, the experience of being brought in, um, not just as a server because I was front of the house, um, mm-hmm. led to self-education. You know, I was being educated without even realizing that that's what was happening, except just being really turned on by the cuisine and the techniques. And then going home and like I would take notes in a little notebook in my apron pocket. and I would go home and recreate some of these dishes for my friends. So it was definitely the food almost more of a hobby and I was watching Anna, her plates, like plate after plate after plate coming out and just being so beautifully presented that something just sort of triggered. And I started noticing how I was putting, like when someone isn't finished with their meal and you put in a to-go box. And I started noticing that I was putting food in the to-go box to look as attractive as possible. So when they opened it up, it looked like a jewelry box rather than like a dump of food. Does that make sense? So like taking yeah, the care. Yeah, no. Well, clearly you have a, so an artist's eye, and but it's very unique because it's it, it's a it's in many ways a different and actually more complex skill set than just cooking. It, it's it's exactly that creating little jewel boxes for a certain effect. Maybe we'll just pivot right there for you to talk about how food styling for film and television differs from food styling for a book or an ad campaign. Because I think people who are familiar with food styling or it means something to them, it's usually an association with kind of the kind that's done for a photo shoot and the misconceptions that food stylists use glue and artificial objects. So take us through like how how one transitions or how you approach uh, food styling for film and television differently. Well, I think from my experiences the last few years working on some big motion work and then bouncing into editorial work at, at Milk Street where um, I'm their key food styles and, and their cookbooks. The pace and how your brain operates is very different. Film work is not for the for the faint of heart of that whatever that saying is, but I mean it's a constant physical um, intense way of preparing food and keeping in mind all the um, elements of, of the script, what the director wants to see, what the coaching might have to happen with, with talent, the choreographies, uh, you know, especially with Julie, there's a lot of choreography that goes into these food scenes with multiple um, actors. So it almost becomes like a dance recital and needing to rehearsing where the editorial work or advertising work is is very stationary, and I find that a, a silence in me when I'm I'm in f- over the food in that respect, and I'm looking thing at things, you know, more, uh, you know, as a as a blank canvas, as the not sort of like the the birthing of of a bigger picture, but just sort of making food as attractive and, and putting it on one single block of marble or a set rather than um, 
oh, all the moving parts that come in with film. It's very hectic um, film work. Yeah, so like a book or an ad campaign is much more static work, whereas film mm-hmm. and television is is like sort of like a tornado, maybe. It's sort of like you're just in the weeds. The whole it's like it's, it's, I just compare it, and, and when I first interviewed with Susan Spungen, to go back to that, was she one of her first questions is like, "Have you ever worked?" in a restaurant and she comes from an art background as well. Um, And, you know, you want people, you can only do this job with restaurant experience because it's the same sort of beat of rhythm to the day that are long days. Um, It's like, you know, it's like a wedding every day that you're preparing for a few days in advance. And then you're there and just waiting for the bride to walk down the aisle and, and you're on. So the the editorial and and advertising work is you still have a client you know there's a client to to please and you're and you're delivering their their message but it just has a lot you know there's there's like three of us on a set not a hundred plus you know if there's background and all that stuff so it's just it is very different but at the core of it is just presenting food. Um, thoughtfully and I use real food I, I'm I'm not and it's just not opposed to doing mold making and all that it's just the opportunity hasn't really presented itself because I'm being hired to make to make real food that, and um so so there's no I've never worked with glue or any sort of um odd ingredients to make something because they're usually there to also eat the food and enjoy the food so um that's my goal so but before we jump into talking about Julia, I, I think I saw you were the food stylist on Adam McKay's Don't Look Up. Oh, yeah. That was fun. And so I, I which if, if folks have seen it, um, it was made for Netflix, whether um, it's not really a food movie at all, but there's a pivotal scene that I remember really well, um, which I was going to refer to as the dinner party at the apocalypse. And so I assume that was one of your key roles. What was that like to prepare a dinner party for an apocalypse? Um, I really, I love that scene so much. I love, I love the movie, but that scene in particular is as, as food is part of a storytelling of a greater meaning um, was really great to be a part of and work with um the the director and reading his script which is just like wildly written so as as it was shot right I mean there's just a lot going on and then you have this this moment of just togetherness and um sat you know just intensity and just the simplicity of the foods that were selected by the director because he's also the writer Adam that just brought such a lovely tone to it, it's like the apple pie. And, you know, I snuck in, you know, snickerdoodles because they're, I always sneak in things that I know the crew really wants to enjoy. <laughs> so snickerdoodle <laughs> cookies that are shaking on the table. Um, but he script, you know, what was scripted was the ham and, you know, coaching, you know, the actors a little bit. I just, you know, said, can you, hey, Timothy Chalamet, can you please brush the ham on the, the glaze on the ham? So, it's always fun to interact with people in those scenes as well um, when there's food prep involved and um, and then to have them and around is the, the table. Blowy, I wanted did did they actually destroy all the food or is that all special effects? So actually, the lovely you know very traditional and very excuse the word ordinary, but I think it was deliberately meant to be the most normal. Mm-hmm you know, holiday celebration meal with the everyday foods. It's not a gourmet menu. <laughs> Do they actually explode it or is that all simulated? No, that was simulated. But they're shaking and vibrating around their bodies around the table. Um, that was them. That was their acting abilities of just, you know, you know, being so, being so people got up. to eat the food in the end. It didn't oh yeah! Oh no, they were no, they were eating. They were eating the food the the whole the whole time. Um, Good. And you know they had. I would have thought that was would have been hard to see all your team's hard work. No, I I don't even. I'm I'm actually going. Does that really happen? No, that they had something that would shake the table. Like there was some special like rigging, but um, Mm -hmm. 
No, and they were eating throughout the the whole day. I mean, I I can't tell you how many hams were glazed and and carved and out of a out of a, a church kitchen a, a block away. So, no, it, it was um, no, no. Thank God, you just like got me really nervous. Like, oh wait. I hope that never has to happen. No, that, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> and if you, a, so so for our listeners, if you haven't seen Don't Look Up, this is one of the penultimate scenes of the movie. So you got to watch all the way through to catch up with what we're talking about. So thank you for indulging me. So let's talk about Julia. And I was just curious, because I know you, you've talked with great fondness and admiration and appreciation for the role. But when you were first approached, was your first reaction, oh, this is the opportunity of a lifetime? Or were you like, oh, my God, this sounds incredibly difficult? Uh, no, I took, I was sweating and I had to take a breath. <laughs> and then I thought it was a joke. And then I was like, wait, wait, what's going on? And then I said, wow, this is really happening. And I, I just, the month before, I think, is when... Uh, Little Women was released. So having seen the work on that and, and having had that really wonderful experience telling that story, I felt prepped and trained to do this. Um, and then it started, you know, getting the scripts. And, and at first I thought it would just be a little bit here. You know, I, I don't I didn't know what to expect. And then once you start diving into the scripts, right, you're like, there's food everywhere. Um and it well, was, and, and it's big. like you talked about it, and for maybe someone who hasn't seen the whole season, there are at least two key episodes that have, as you were saying, this choreography where it's this combination, which I think even if you talk to the directors, it is hard for the directors to film multiple people moving around constantly in one room, let alone adding food that's being cooked and taken in and out by these characters. So did that, do those scenes take a kind of inordinate amount of extra preparation time? Well, with us, we have, you know, our production meetings, we have a lot of communication, and that's what really wonderful as well with this production and, and the department's and the, and the creators and writers and directors is that everyone is very communicative because we have to be. And so when we land mm -hmm. on food scenes, you know, especially um, the, the ones that need that choreography and rehearsal, you know, they do, they don't just throw us in a room and say, go, you know, there is a lot of thought and, and um, an overview of, of it ahead of time and, and having a kitchen on set. So we have this really wonderful, um, commercial grade industrial kitchen built for us. And so in that space, um, it allows, you know, um, Scott Ellis, one of our directors, you know, came in for his episode with um, actors to do their, their choreography. So it allows a, a safe space for not only the food to be prepared in, but also to have meetings and have training um, and coaching for those, for those, ta those, you know, talents. If, if, or just to show a director how food behaves. So we have culinary meetings that I always present, um, you know, the mood boards and we go through each, you know, scene by scene, but also, you know, if there's um, like a gag, you know, so you're treating it like a car crash, you know, you have to practice and, and, and illustrate visually like how something behaves because not everyone has has a grand experience with food on, on film and how it is, it needs time. And it's the most temperamental actor you could ever put in front of a camera. <laughs> Worse than dogs and children. Uh, words, yeah. I mean, and then, yeah, like the souffle, I call it the crying baby. You know, and I said, guys, <laughs> we have a crying baby and you just, and then, and film work, it goes really, really fast and there is no time. And so, you know, our job is to, be overly prepared so when we're up um no one's no one's waiting for the crying baby there's really no time so well which is i think an interesting contrast because everyone who's anyone who's been on a film set actually doesn't feel like it's fast so i think what you mean is for your role you are you're working like you said almost like dinner service because you've got to yes. do all the work to be prepared and be ready from when they're finally ready to to film the scene and out of the 12 hour day the number of time the number of minutes the camera is actually rolling is like a 
small percentage of that whole day. But I think what you're talking about is for your you and your team, you are working, working, working. Then the scene is over like that, and you're on to the next. Is that right? A, it's a, like a, being on Chopped, like the show Chopped, <laughs> where you're just like, yeah. it's really, really, really intense, and then cut. You know, re- that that scenes are wrapping. You're like, oh, what just happened? I just you know, <laughs> it, it gets you 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 prepare to then say you know and and to let it go and let the camera kiss where it is because you I really have no control over that which is sometimes a frustrating part of the job because you can't always tap your toe and saying like guys you're going to get in there right and but we just let it go and and let everyone do their job on the other side of the wall where I am. Well, I love that you said that because I feel like that's my biggest lesson from Julia, which is which I always tell people: prepare, 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 and then let go. You have you have to let go when it's on. It it becomes out of your control, and it's all about the preparation that makes the letting go possible. And it's really hard as a food stylist because your job is to make things beautiful and perfect. All you know that, and then it's actually harder. You know those those scenes or or moments that a dish needs to look like really awful like the diner scene in season one with you know this food was meant to be like really sad food that Alice is eating like sometimes it's harder to make ugly food than it is beautiful food so it's all all sorts of things okay we're gonna take a break and we'll be back with more from Christine Tobin food stylist for HBO Max's Julia stay with us Did you know that you can stream The French Chef with Julia Child on the PBS Documentaries Prime video channel? Start your free trial today and see where America's obsession with cooking shows began with one spirited woman who made French cuisine a spectator sport and forever changed the way we cook, eat, and think about food. In addition to The French Chef, the PBS Documentaries Prime video channel features a vast library of high-quality, thought-provoking, factual programs for curious viewers. All from America's trusted home for documentaries, PBS. Hi, I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler, Executive Director of HRN. HRN is dedicated to amplifying voices from all across our food system. Today, I'm asking listeners to take part in our summer membership drive by helping sustain our mission to expand the way eaters think about food. As a thank you for this tax-deductible donation, you can receive some great HRN swag, including the HRN cap, wine carrier, or a special spice set from Burlap and Barrel. By becoming a member, you'll play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member today. Thank you for your support. Welcome back. We're talking to food stylist Christine Tobin about her work on HBO Max's hit series, Julia. So Christine, we in the first half, we just ended in sort of getting into how you work on the show. And you mentioned how important collaboration is to, to make this possible. And we started to talk about how comparatively Julia is food-wise very complex because it's part of the story. There's choreography and then the food. And and again, I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a show about making a show about food. So did did the producers give you free reign to kind of figure out how this would work or were they quite pers- prescriptive about what they wanted how, how did how did this sort of getting started and what is ultimately been amazing and and certainly almost every cast member or producer has mentioned you know how integral and pivotal your role has been so how did how did you approach it oh wow well each script as you know has um it's entitled, you know, a dish, and then we we mm. we learn about the dish and we prepare the dish and we're enjoying the dish. So all of that has been already scripted. So I just, you know, luckily have the cookbooks. I mean, Julia does, and some they and someone has done all the work for me, really. So I just go and and I dissect her, the recipes, you know, for say the WGBH 
um, portions, for example, or her testing a recipe in her kitchen. So um, those those scenes are are you know easy, and then I sort of flesh it out and design around those dishes. Um, and then it's really you know the some of the some of the descriptions of the actions are there in writing, and then we just sort of rehearse mm-hmm. it as such. But then sometimes it doesn't make sense to the recipe. So I'm there to sort of, sort of match, you know, marry both and massage it to make sense, but also to make it easier for, you know, for the talent, you know, sometimes, you know, I work closely with Sarah, you know, what makes sense to her and what she feels comfortable with. Um, So it's definitely like something that we, the script is something as a departure point, and then we sort of work through it and become more fluid but um between that you know the script and and the the scene there's there's lots of of opportunities to um to discuss and and rehearse and have really one of the greatest opportunities just being part of the conversation and I like to say like invited to the stew because that's not always typical for someone in my craft on on various films and TV productions, you sort of you know you sort of have to tiptoe into it a little bit to see like how involved someone wants you to be. Whereas here on Julia, um, it's been just a great experience to just um, be an aid to to the writers and what they are wanting to um, portray and and the director and how to help them tell the tell the story where not everyone's like bumping into each other and um so and that comes again from all the restaurant experience it, it's it's all hands down everyone's to know how to how to do this this sort of job and I think it's from years of working in restaurants um because it's really no different yeah, no, and I'm struck by the the recent movies that um, have come out of s- sort of where the whole movie is restaurant service. And I'm like blanking on the name of this recent movie that takes place over one entire dinner service. And I'm conscious of like you're, you, what you're talking about is like they're shooting. So they're doing that in a movie and in the scene at the same time. But I, I think it's a great analogy, for, especially if anyone's ever worked in, in restaurant, particularly a busy restaurant during dinner service. It's exhausting. It's hectic. But it also goes by in a flash because you're never standing still. And, you know, I think it's a great role for someone who has ADD because you're, you're, you're never static. You're, you're oh, always in motion. Oh, yeah, I have, I have ADD. But, but also just to help... Like, because you, your body in training, like, I, I can't think of the actual terminology for it, but it's like, um, like memory, like sense, like sensory muscle memory, memory. Mem- muscle memory. So working, so like you can, ha- I, I have an easy time explaining in motion how, uh, uh, in coaching or rehearsing, how something can be um, executed and it's just based on being put in that situation a bazillion times but not realizing that it would ever be handy for anything it's just <laughs> you know being in in the kitchen or being in the dish room or being you know in in front of people and in in rest in serving capacities or catering or personal chefing whatever so it all it all helps but it, it definitely is most helpful that the support that i i have from Daniel and Chris and, and each director and that um that is is just one big open conversation of how to get Julia Julia's work across. So it's great. So I wanted to ask you about your culinary team because I'm mm-hmm. guessing it's more than you that it takes to pull off having all this food ready and and that you're a little you're kind of in charge of connecting all the dots and making it flow with what you, as you said, the directors and writers want, but like how big a, like how much support do you need to even pull that off? I love talking about them because I love them. (laughs) Um, Up to this point, I've always done this work by myself, not knowing that I could even like ask for an assistant. And on Little Women, I had uh, Carolyn White and I had this woman, Brianna Borelli, and they came with me to Julia and that's when I met one of Susan Spungen's old uh, assistants, Rachel Michael, who is here in France with me, my soul sister. And 
Um, so there's like a core of, of four of us on Julia. And then I have day players, Sophia Ayala. I have uh, Tony Silva here in France. I have Jerome Clavel, who is a Michelin star chef. I have Christophe Gourmet, who is a French sort of culinary advisor. So this production has definitely helped um, provide me with the back of, of the house needs to get the things that are coming from my head based on all the words from other people out onto a, uh, onto the, the camera. So I have a really wonderful team of people and they're all just, you know, um, normal, hardworking culinarians. And we just love cooking together and we cook communally and that space in our stage is designed to do as, as such and not be a, you know, large 50 plus foot um, culinary truck, but be a really like a home, a home space. And um, so that's how, that's our approach. And that's what my, the approach I instilled. And, and luckily the people who work with me um, jive with it. And I think it shows it shows in the product and I think it shows also for the morale of the overall crew and we share the food at the end of the day with crew members and it's just it's, it just brings a really nice spirit and um I, I the show goes like deep into the love of my team so uh, I yes I, I wanted to make sure to highlight that to pull off um how things look in Julia and, and how much food there is and how integrated it is into the storyline and, and nearly every moment of every episode in some way kind of takes a village. So I just, I wanted you to be oh, able to- thank you uh, so much for, for asking. Thank you. And so how, how's everyone feeling about being in France now? I assume for food people that that's, a you know, it, it's, it's the mothership, if you will, the holy grail of, 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 of food culture, at least. So has that been really- exciting as well as exhausting for the team uh the exhaustion is is i mean no matter where you are it's exhausting it's more just the you're fueled by the excitement of it all and i have rachel here with me and you know carolyn and then i have like you know a b unit so so rachel and i have a pa getting the stage up and running so when we land back we can just float into um you know the next the next scene as you will, a few days after we land. And so I have Rachel with me, and then the, the French side of the production um, found uh, two really wonderful chefs here. So that's Jerome and Christophe. And, and luckily, like, we all get along and have some great laughs. And um, I've, we learn from each other because it is, you know, they are the mothership. And, but we're like, well, you know, in America, we got it going on too. So let's, like... <laughs> let's just like make food together you know and but seeing <laughs> you know having you know the help of art uh, imitating life life imitating it's art, like then. no this the whole production sometimes being on set on julia i'm like this i'm living you know this is what i'm doing right now you know and um so but being you know exposed to really beautiful produce you know the the we have some that are highlighted in, in the first episodes of the second season that, you know, it's just been a lot of fun to then, you know, curate from what is available here because similarly back home, I have uh, a farm near me in Brookline, Allendale Farm. So, you know, I, those are my happy places. So to be, you know, with, a, you know, two individuals here that sort of caught on quick of what, how I operate because I'm very visually um, stimulated and, and bring me to all their favorite places and that excites them has been a really wonderful part of the process and my own storytelling because, you know, we could have just been like plopped down here and really not know where, where to go. So the production is, has made sure that we, that we had someone hold our hands a bit but but of course you're in the south of France, which was an uh, inspiration to Julia mm-hmm. because of the food, and is and certainly summer in the south of France is just this incredible bounty. I'm, I'm hoping you're getting amazing peaches, and they haven't all burned up in the heat wave. Is that is that no, played out is, and kind of been? Yes, ins- it's so played out. It's and we just got done this week on with a really beautiful. Um, 
you know, three days of one scene, as you will, and in the celebration of exactly what you just said, of being here, um, celebrating Julia, you know, visiting here with Paul, and um, it's just, it's, it's just a highlight of not only the storytelling on, you know, as a job, but also as, you know, personally just being here and taking in all those things that, and relating to it, you know, like touching the fresh, you know, massive bushes of the lavender and being in an olive grove uh, with these beautiful olive trees that those are shriveling up. The peaches are not shriveling up, but there's sadly some vegetation that's drying out a bit, but, you know, you go to the open markets and you wouldn't know that there was no rain for days, but, uh, you know, squash blossoms. I mean, you, all of it um, is just, you know, kid in the candy store. And so every, you know, we have, you know, in, in these moments, because I can't really talk about it, but in these moments of, of, of the food being part of the scene and part of the story, like it's, it's very well researched and, um, and thoughtful and definitely an homage to her time here with, uh, with her friends. So uh, on that note, uh, because I know it was very top secret, at least they did announce publicly that you, you, uh, the show was going to go to France, so we can talk about that aspect. But I, I also wanted to ask you before we go to break about working with the cast. You kind of mentioned some of the interactions that you've had. And I, I've heard, you know, for example, Fiona Glasscott ask, uh, mentioned in, uh, when we talked to her and Daniel Goldfarb, the creator, in episode 154 about how, you know, she was kind of introduced to eating sweetbreads for the first time. I, I was curious how you've kind of approached this. Maybe, would you say it's even more interactive than usual, working with the cast, um, both in their role as actors on the show and then in relationship to the food? Oh, sure. I mean, it's it's been one of the best parts because we then the relationship then just grows in a, and not that we're all having dinner together or anything. We're just knowing each other on a, on a work basis. I've never seen Sarah outside of being Julia. I would burst into flames. I've only seen her talk <laughs> to her as Julia child and, and, and David is Paul and, but they come into the kitchen and, and we're sharing and, you know, we were just together and everyone just is very delighted and excited in what they've created. I always say, no, this is all you. You you all did this. I didn't do any of it. Um, so we have a lot of fun and, and the curiosity that some may have about the food and, and the recipes. So can you share this recipe or what page is this recipe in which book? So... Um, it's definitely sort of strengthened um, everyone's everyone's um, interest in in uh, the the food of of Julia. If that answers your question, I hope. Yeah, no, and I think many of the cast have talked about that having the authenticity and the just tactile nature of the food helps them do their job because they're acting mm -hmm. in roles that have a lot to do with the creation of of food and I, you just love the the irony right of being in production about a show about food that's about a show about food mm -hmm. and everyone's it, it helps that everyone has a keen interest in it and, a, and an appreciation for it because sometimes it's very hard to work with actors who just want to eat like uh, the same Harry Covert over and over and over again. Like these people are eating and they're enjoying and, um, or they're preparing it. And, and, you know, Brittany, um, who plays Alice, I mean, she loves her, you know, making an omelet and making the, the French onion soup for her mom. Like she went home and she was really excited, you know, that, um, she can put a little, little note of a of a recipe that she's learned. So it's it's been great. Yeah, that's wonderful. And so how now? And I, without going too far, like the entire cast does not get to be in France, but for the cast members who are filming scenes there, have you seen that kind of 
come to life for them too and get extra energy just from being in oh, this yeah. environment that, that's so important. A is both a wonderful environment and wonderful food environment, but also integral to Julia's story. Absolutely. And, and it was, it's been a, a really great reunion. Um, and then a moment of saying, oh, it's like no time has gone by. And then saying, oh, my God, like we're in France, guys. And the, all of us are just looking at each other. You know, and we have, I think, a dozen of us crew from uh, season one from the States here. And then our cast. And we're all like, we're just standing in the same, you know, lawn or waterside wherever we are and just taking it all in and and feeling just really lucky um to have been to be part of it I'm definitely lucky that I've been invited because I wasn't really thinking I would be I'm like well there's plenty of people in in France um but it's just like it's really special to have been asked to be part of it and I think all of us sort of take on that sentiment and um and we're all touching things and walking through, you know, every, we're just taking it all in, um, smelling, you know, the, the, the fresh mint from Gar and I picked, I said, no, you have to just smell it. And cause Fiona's, <laughs> Fiona's with us and she's like, oh. I know. It's kind of like everything like that is better in France for reasons of, all you can say is terroir is the only explanation. I mean, I hope my plants are still alive when I get home and I'm going to see if my mint smells as good as this mint, you know. It'll be revived, yeah. All right, we're going to take another break. And and when we come back, we'll hear Christine's Julia moment. I can't wait to hear what it is. Let us know what you think of today's show. Send us an email or a voice memo to contact at juliachildfoundation.org or better yet, you can tweet us at Julia Child JCF. We'll be right back. When you flip anything, you really, you just have to have the courage of your convictions, particularly if it's sort of a loose mass like this. Well, that didn't go very well. See, when I flipped it, I didn't, I didn't have the courage to do it the way I should have. But you can always pick it up, and if you're alone in the kitchen, who is going to see? From Julia's immortal words, we move into our last segment, which we call the Julia moment. Here's when we ask our guests to share their favorite Julia memory, moment, or how she might have inspired them in their career. Well, we've already talked a lot about that, Christine. So so what's your official Julia moment? Oh, wow. Um, well, I grew up watching Julia Child. She was just part of our weekends. I would say my strongest moment of a memory is standing in my parents' kitchen, and each time I would take home a home economics recipe. So those French uh, muffins, that I, morning muffins we call it, we dip in the melted butter and put in the cinnamon sugar or an egg or macaroni, whatever it was, I would sit and stare at the backsplash or the window and emulate Julia in my head. Like her voice was always in me. As I was mise-en-plazing, I learned to mise-en-plaze without realizing I was just doing it because I, I was watching it, not because my mother did it, because that's not the type of chef, you know, cook she was. So I think that's mm-hmm. my strongest moment. And that's why the, the, the irony of all of this and the craziness of, of my place in this is mind-boggling to me, because it's just a childhood, a strong childhood memory that has brought now this. So she's still in my head. So so do you find yourself channeling that mise en place when you're getting ready for certain yes. days on the set? Do Always. You connect to that back to that moment. Yeah. Well cuz it's cuz the way she would she she would teach and talk to the camera. I mean, then, you know, I still do it like, all right, so in your head you can put this over here. Okay, chop this up over here. I just like I always just talk to myself. <laughs> as I'm mise-en-plazing, but back then it was definitely, I mean, I was acting out and I was definitely, um, I was speaking, you know, my voice was speaking and I was pretending to be her. Um, but I, I never in million dreams would have thought that then I would be, you know, here doing what I'm doing, yet alone talking to you about it. So this is amazing. Well, we're so glad you could join us today uh, remotely from from the set in France. We really appreciate it, and we're so glad we were able to do it. 
Oh, me too. This is, especially from France. I mean, this is wild. And we leave for Paris uh, next weekend. So, and this is my first time in France and um, oh, be wow. my first time in Paris. So, so with that said, just taking that aspect in is just, um, it's been a, a wonderful, a wonderful time and sharing it with my assistant, Rachel, who's a dear friend and everyone's making fun of us because I'm posting all the pictures of her on my social media. And it's like, oh, you and Rachel are on a honeymoon. <laughs> so that's what we're calling it. <laughs> we're on a honeymoon. Well, you are. I think my heart just sort of soared for you in the fact that you'd be experiencing Paris for the first time under such a unique and deeply connected to food experience. It's going to be, I think, intense and wonderful. I think so too. I'm looking forward to it. And I, and, and I hope... You know, that at the end of it all, you know, when our wonderful audience sees this, this all of it, but this portion, especially like I hope we, we you said you see you feel the sense of 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 excitement in the product um, because we're all really excited to be here. Well, I think that's exactly what you want that transfers onto screen. Well, thanks again for joining us and thanks everyone for listening. You can follow Christine to see those pictures of her honeymoon in France at Tobin Food on Instagram. And if you'd like to watch or rewatch season one, go to hbomax.com forward slash Julia. If you've missed it, we've got creator and executive producer Daniel Goldfarb and co-star Fiona Glaskett, who we were both talking about. She plays Judith Jones in the series. They're in conversation with us in episode 154, and we talked to executive producer Kimberly Carver, who worked with me to start the whole thing, in episode 158. And check out HBO Max's Dishing with Julia, the companion podcast to the series, hosted by our friend Carrie Diamond from Cherry Bomb. There's a great interview also, and you can hear more from Christine about her role in season one in episode seven. You can also hear from yours truly about my role as a producer uh, with Chris Kaiser on the show in episode eight. For all the latest from the foundation, it's at Julia Child on Facebook and at Julia Child Foundation on Instagram. It's at Julia Child JCF, and I'm at T. Shulkin on Twitter. The Julia Child audio clip from The French Chef is used with permission from our friends at GBH. Thanks to my co-producer of the foundation, Lauren Salkeld, and our sound engineer at Heritage Radio Network, Matt Patterson. Our theme song is New French Horn by Novi Valtorni. We're on the air on Heritage Radio Network on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, with downloads available soon after wherever you find your podcasts. We look forward to bringing you back into the foundation's world next time on Inside Julia's Kitchen. Inside Julia's Kitchen is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.